Welcome to the Broken Pie Drive Podcast, episode 172. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, we're going to be talking about, is this the second iteration of the dot-com bubble bursting? Had a couple conversations recently, and, uh, you know, I was talking to one person there saying, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the uh, another dot-com bubble, and someone was trying to convince him that it was. And so that's kind of what I'm going to start with. I'm also going to talk a little bit about, looks like Tesla is splitting three for one. We just had an Amazon split 20 for one. Do these even matter? And so anyway, let's talk about the dot-com era. And I pulled up, and I very rarely talk about just individual companies and individual company earnings and revenues and all that type of stuff. And long-time listeners know that Obviously, I'm a big proponent of buying and hedging or buffering, and so you've got some uh, some wiggle room with markets. Uh, you can reach out to me at Derek.Moore at ZegaFinancial.com. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Z is in Zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financials up to you to spell correctly, dot com. And I'm happy to go through how we build portfolios and how we hedge and manage risk. But... So this question about, you know, and by the way, this is, I keep saying this, if we do get a recession, it would be the most telegraphed recession ever. I mean, everywhere you go, you're looking at articles, you're watching CNBC, and you're seeing people talk about, well, the probability of recession is higher. But obviously the market's in a drawdown, uh, S&P, Year to date, the total return, I think, is just over minus 17%. Of course, I think we went up, you know, 39% two years ago uh, or last year. Uh, we went up uh, 18% in 2020. And so, you know, th- these types of moves, uh, sort of this flushing out, happen. But thinking back to March 31st of 2000, and I'm going to use the the NASDAQ uh, 100 index or, you know, the QQQs is the ETF that invest in, uh, in the companies in the index. And I'm going to ask you a question. Can you name not only the company, but the weighting of it, the number one company in the Qs in March, uh, end of March of 2000? This is the NASDAQ 100. Now think about it for a second, and I'll give you a hint. Apple is not even in the top 10. You'll never get it. And the reason why you won't get it is it's Sirius Satellite Radio. Sirius Satellite Radio. They were the number one weighted company in the queues of the NASDAQ 100 at the end of March of 2000. And I had written an article I think it was back in 2014 or 2015. I forget when. And it's it's not even up on our site anymore. Uh, otherwise, I'd, I'd link to it. We had uh, uh, some of those very old articles. Didn't make it over and we, uh, we transitioned. But it's uh, I reached out to the, uh, the group that manages the, the queues. And I asked him, I said, can you pull the weighting of the companies in March of 2000? And they were able to do it. They sent me a a list. So you look at this and you say, 
wait a second, Sirius Satellite? And to give you some perspective on this, if I pull up a, uh, a graph of, let's say, you know, Sirius Satellite, and now it's, of course, Sirius XM, um, and you look at their stock price, and they were over $60 a share in, in March of um, 2000. They were $3.59 in September of 01. I mean, think about that. In 2008, they were 26 cents. Now, I actually hadn't looked at this stock in a long time, and uh, I was surprised. They're actually $6.10. It's not a stock that I follow. Um, so anyway, Sirius Satellite, the number one company in March of 2000, I pulled up... And you can go to the archives. It's a little bit difficult, you know, if you don't have a, a system that lets you, you know, pull up, uh, go back further when you're thinking about, you know, earnings reports and 10Ks and things like that. Uh, but Edgar is a site, E-D-G-A-R. You can type in a company name and you can go back. Sometimes you either get lucky and you can find everything. Sometimes you can't. We can find quarterly reports and, and um uh, annual reports. But I went back and I pulled it. And apparently, and uh, I'm just looking at Q1 of 2000, they lost about $43 million. And I I couldn't actually find the full year 1999. But it is interesting. So you think about, you know, Q1 of 2000. And I know the older I get, the more people that I talk to on this podcast and just in general don't remember don't remember the the tech uh, you know crash somebody who was born in 2000 is now 22 but I, I also looked and it was interesting in that report there was a line that said cumulative net income from inception the company was incepted uh, May of 1990 and this was through March of 2000 on a cumulative basis that's 10 years they lost $304 million. Now, it's not uncommon for companies when they're brand new to run a you know, net loss. And let's face it, Sirius Satellite, uh, imagine they had to launch some satellites into, into orbit. That can't be cheap. But that was the number one weighted company in the NASDAQ 100, 9.5%. And give you an example today, as of June 9th, Apple is 12.33%. Apple probably pulled in $100 billion in net income last year. So I'll go through these, uh, these quick. Um, Microsoft is the only company, by the way, that is there today. Microsoft is number two today. They were number two, actually, in March of 2000, which is interesting. Uh, that company has uh, sort of had the staying power. Although I will say, after the tech crash in 2000, that stock went nowhere for a decade. And then, obviously, recently, it's the, depending upon the day, it's the, one of the highest market cap in the world. But then you had Cisco, Level 3, Qualcomm, Intel Corporation, which is obviously still around, but they're having some issues of late. Uh, it's not, not a stock individually I follow. Oracle, Broadcom, Sun Microsystems, and Yahoo. Yahoo was number 10. Uh, Yahoo is no longer in existence, right? I mean... 
I think that's been bought and sold a few times. I pulled up Broadcom's earnings, by the way. They made $83 million in 1999. They lost $687 million in 2000. Broadcom was, uh, what did I say they were? They were like the, you know, the seventh, somewhere around there, or eighth, 3.15%. Today, it's Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Tesla, Facebook, NVIDIA, Broadcom. Oh, Broadcom is in there again. There we go. The Broadcom uh, pulled over. That's the second one. Uh, Pepsi, Costco. And, you know, in March of 2000, those companies made up close to 60% today, you know, about 53.5%. But I bring this up, is, is today a repeat of the tech crash of 2000? And I would say no. And the reason I would say no is part of, you know, these companies, and I'm not saying you should go out and buy these companies, sell the companies, I'm not a, I don't do individual stock analysis. I know how to do it, but I'm not, when you really do stock um, analyzing, like the, the people who actually do this, you're making judgments and you're making predictions and assumptions about the future. I mean, anyone can, I shouldn't say anyone, but a lot of people can just pull in all the, the readily available analyst data and the financials and plug it into a discounted cash flow analysis. But if you're really doing this, you have to make decisions about the future on these companies, about market share, taking market share, about currency risk, about, you know, especially if they're international, uh, what are their revenues going to be from all these different countries? But I would just say that the companies on this list today, all of them have earnings. Um, and I think back then, the market was something like 100 times forward. It was trading at 100 forward P.E., I looked it up the other day, and I think uh, the NASDAQ 100 is something like, you know, 19 times forward. The S&P is, you know, 16 and a half. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, and I had forgotten I wrote the article, but I, I was in a conversation with someone, and we were, just, we're talking about this. And, yeah, I mean, serious satellite company. By the way, Sirius, uh, I was like, are they making money now? And... They are. <laughs> and it's not a stock that I followed for a long time, uh, but they are. Um, they have a 17.7 PE ratio and their market cap is $24 billion. They pay a dividend now, I suppose. And if, if you look at, uh, you know, I guess it's SIRRI is still the symbol and you pull up some of their, uh, their financials, I mean, yeah, dealer. I, I have no idea what this stock is going to do. I mean, it's, uh, but I, I look at their annual, their sales are, you know, five to seven billion over the last couple of years. And their earnings per share, I mean, their net income is anywhere from 647 million to 1.8 billion, 1.18 billion. And their earnings per share, it's like 14 cents, 26 cents, 20 cents. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not a podcast about serious. I was just curious. So I would say that unlike the dot-com era, uh, I think these are companies that are, they have, I mean, they have real earnings. And back then in 2000, a lot of the, the prices were predicated on future earnings. The expectation that, Earnings were going to grow. 
And Broadcom's interesting because, and I, you know, I, I didn't pick that up the first time that both of those were on on the list. So Microsoft and Broadcom. And I, I pulled up an archived article from 1999 and Q4, they were saying, you know, revenue grew 100% year over year. They were talking, I mean, they were really, really excited. Uh, you know, Broadcom, it probably took them. Uh, I'm going to look this up right here. But Broadcom, uh, when you look at how long it took that stock to recover, um, I can't go back that far. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so, so I bring this up and I think it's just one of those things that gives you perspective and it gives you perspective because look, I've said again and again, the market goes where it goes, price buyers and sellers, uh, momentum. If you have more buyers than sellers, stocks go up. If you have more sellers than buyers, stocks go down. And the fundamentals are the backbone of this. The fundamentals to help you understand, um, you know, what's going on with the companies. But as I've always pointed out too, that if you look at a company like Apple, their cash flows, their earnings don't, you know, oscillate 50% within a year, but yet their stock price can. And so price is the ultimate arbiter in, uh, and stocks can get overvalued, undervalued over time. Uh, but anyway, I, I would just say it's not, uh, uh, it's not a situation. It's not similar to the dot-com era. Recently, Microsoft, or sorry, Amazon split 20 for one. Tesla split, uh, I guess, filed in uh, some of their documents. I don't know if it's been announced, but they put something that they, uh, a three for one split. And somebody asked me, he said, well, you know, that should be really good for the stock. I Here's the thing with stock splits. Technically, they don't matter one bit. Do not matter. Here's why they don't matter. Let's say a company has a million shares outstanding and makes a million dollars in net income. You make a dollar per share in earnings. Okay, fantastic. Let's say they, and they're trading at, at um, $10, which would be 10 times uh, uh, PE ratio. It's trading at $10 per share. 10 times, right? So stock announces a two for one split. All right, awesome. So now you have that same net income of a million dollars. But now instead of having a million shares, you have 2 million shares. Your earnings per share are now 50 cents per share. The stock is trading at, uh, it was trading at $10. But now it's a two for one and split adjusted, it's trading at at $5. All right. It's still trading at 10 times earnings, 50 cents earnings per share, stock price of $5. And people will say, well, wait a second. Companies tend to go up after a split. And I think there's been some data on this. And generally that's true. I think more often than not, um, the degree of which they go up is debatable, but I have seen some some research on this. And here's sort of the, the contrarian view on this. In order for a stock to split, it has to have gone up already. Like, think about it. Stocks that are going down, 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 
or not going anywhere, you don't really see splits. And I would say we used to see a lot more splits in certainly the 90s. You saw, I feel like, and I, I actually would have to research this, but I feel like we saw many more splits back then. You know, Amazon split for 20 for one. It's trading a little over $100 now. Um, that was the first time it split. Google hadn't split, and then they did. Uh, Apple has had splits. Tesla's had splits before. Microsoft certainly has had splits. But, you know, Google and Amazon were the companies that actually had never split until they did. And I think it was okay to have, you know, a really high stock price. Remember, in, in the past, when you had commissions, the idea was, well, if our stock's at $200, wouldn't we rather, you know, or $1,000, the small investor wouldn't be able, you know, they're not going to be able to buy, like, maybe they can buy a share, but if they only have $500, they can't buy a full share. And so the idea was you split it, and then more investors could access the stock, and, and things like that. That was no longer the case, especially as trading fees came down and now we have zero trading fees. And now uh, companies like Schwab, they have fractional shares. I think IB does it, Fidelity does it, another, another bunch of the, uh, the brokerage firms do it now. Meaning you don't even have to buy a full share. You can buy, you know, 0.10 of a, one-tenth of a share. And guess what? It's no commission. So, Splits really don't matter, and I think it's just coincidental when a lot of people think, well, if they split, that means it's going to go up. I think in order to split, and I believe you you get where I'm going here, stock already had to have gone up. And I also think in the case of you know Amazon and maybe some of the others that that split after never splitting, I mean, I don't know if that helps their stock price or not. But the other thing that's kind of interesting about this, and I, I was just thinking today a little bit, the, and we just went through you know, the NASDAQ 100 and the highest weighted companies. The S&P um, 500 index and the NASDAQ 100, those are market cap weighted um, Indices. All right, what does that mean? Well, what it means is basically you, the highest weighting of a company is the highest market cap. So you take the, the shares outstanding times the price. So if you have, you know, like Apple's three trillion, I think there were three trillion or two trillion, I, I, it doesn't matter. But the highest weighted companies, meaning the weighting is, Number of shares times the price, that's your market cap. It's weighted from highest weighted, highest market cap, all the way down. The Dow Jones, though, does it differently. And, and this is where I was going with this. The Dow Jones is a price-weighted index. There's only 30 companies in there. And it's part of the reason why especially over the last decade, I think. Most people, when they think about the market, when they say the market was up or down, they're talking about the S&P 500. They're not talking about the Dow. Dow's only 30 companies. And it is price-weighted. 
And so if we look at, let's say, if I'm pulling this up, I don't know when this is from. Uh, yeah, this is from this week. So United Healthcare is just under 10%. Their stock price closed at 44.63. They're the highest weighted Dow stock. Goldman Sachs is number two at about 6.2%. They're at 287. If I look in here though, and you say, wait a second, isn't Apple in the Dow? They are. They are only the 16th weighted company. I'm like, wait a second. They're the highest market cap in the world. Number one rated, not number one rated, number one, uh, the highest weighting of the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500. They're only 2.9% here. And the reason why that is, their stock price is 137. So the, the thing I was thinking of is, I wonder if now that Amazon has split, whether they eventually will get into the Dow Jones. Because if you put them in the Dow Jones with a you know pre-split, what were they, $2,100 or something like that? Um, you know, they, their weighting would be so skewed to the upside. They would, they, would be a, they would have a gargantuan weight within the Dow Jones. So it's just something to, to, I don't know if it means anything, if they get in there or they don't get in there. Again, the S&P 500 is a bigger deal if you get in there. You remember the story about Tesla when they got in. A lot of people were waiting for that. And to get in, they got to kick somebody out. So I don't know. You know. I'm looking at this list here. Does Intel get kicked out? Intel's had, you know, little bit of a rough go of it lately. I don't know what the stock's going to do. You know, I don't, don't follow it individually. But they have the lowest weighting. They are 0.81%. Uh, their stock price is $39.24. And yeah, I don't know. Just something to keep an eye on. And I wonder if, if they did that, uh, thinking maybe... I, I actually don't even know if they care if they get into the Dow. Uh, I haven't read up enough about, you know, why they did the stock split, why they didn't. Sometimes people do stock splits. And I think this was noted in uh, the Tesla filing. Because employees have options. So let's, let's say you're an Amazon employee and you have, uh, well, I don't know, 10 stock options and the stock's at 2,000. So you got $20,000 worth of stock options. Uh, at least that's, you know, depending upon what your cost basis is. But let's say you, you had um, a zero cost basis on these or, or you had, I don't know, a $1,000 cost basis. Let's use that. So if you sold those 10, 10 shares, you would get, you would net $10,000 there. And of course, you know, I don't want to get into the taxes of it, you know, but that's, so one of the reasons I think that was noted in the Tesla thing was that uh, um, they feel like employees with stock options when, and I'll use the Amazon example. So if you split it and it goes from, you know, a 20 for one, well, now you don't have 10 shares. What do you have? Okay. Well, that's simple. <laughs> it's 20 times uh, 10. You have 200 shares. And the 200 shares are a little over 100 bucks. So now if you need, needed a little bit of cash, you might be able to, you know. Anyway, just it's 
Um, that's maybe one of the reasons. Neither here. It doesn't matter though. Uh, but I hope I hope going through the stock splits, they don't matter. They really don't. A lot of times the companies were already going up. And then is this the dot com era? Is this dot com part two because of the the tech stocks? I would just say, I mean, these companies have a lot more revenue, a lot more net income. We never know what's going to happen with stocks. I have no clue. I'm not saying to buy these. What I'm saying is it's back then it was trading 100 times forward earnings. Last time I checked, we're about nine time, 19 times forward earnings. Uh, if I knew tomorrow's prices today, that would be really helpful. We don't know those, uh, but I would get hazard, hazard to guess. Not a repeat of the dot-com year. All right, folks, that's going to be it for uh, this week. Uh, thanks for listening. If you uh, want to reach out and give a suggestion for a future episode, it's Derek.Moore at ZegaFinancial.com. Also, uh, uh, a lot of people have been asking um, for more, let's say, info or about inflation. Inflation is the hot topic right now. I skipped it for this one. Maybe we'll cover that next week. And uh, But do email. I like getting emails. I like getting suggestions for episodes. And uh, the thing about the stock splits was from a question. So have a great week, everyone. And we'll talk to you next time.